Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. As we look forward into these next seven years and beyond, and the best days that God has right before us, I think it's strategic that we take this time as we prepare for the harvest to really talk about and begin to understand something I call family values. So we've, we've called this the next couple of weeks, that's what we're calling it, family values. Who are we? Who are we going to be as we do what God has called us to do? It's our family values. We know our purpose. We know why we exist as a church. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and connect them to their purpose. As a matter of fact, why don't we say it all together? Can we do that? It's an open book test. It's on the screen. Let's say it all together. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and connect them to their purpose. That's why we exist. That's why this church is here. And we're going to accomplish that purpose through our four main values, our core values. We're going to do that by helping people, if you know them, say it with me, to help people to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Everything that we do is going to be wrapped up in one of those four things. So that means there will be things that other churches do that we won't. And that's okay. Because we're going to do what God has called us to do. They're going to do what God has called them to do. And together, we're going to reach the world for Jesus. Come on. So it's not us against the other church. It's not us against them. We're for churches. Come on. We're for other believers. Why? Because we are part of the body. We are in a house and we are part of the family. We're part of the body of Christ that exists globally around the world with other believers in other countries of other nationalities and other skin colors that have given their lives to Jesus. They're our brothers and sisters. Come on, even in this room. The people sitting around you right now, the ones that took your parking spot and are sitting in your chair, you know, like I know you had a safe seat and somebody else took it this morning, but it's okay. There's no safe seats and they're your brothers and sisters. Like we are family. We are part of the body of Christ. So people in those other denominations, they're part of our family too. They're part of the body of Christ. You know, our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and in China and Germany and every part of the world, we are part of the body. But we are also part of a house. We are planted in a local church. We are in the house of God, and in a house is a family. It's the people that make up the family. We're a body, we're a house, and we are a family. So we know why we exist. We know how we're going to accomplish that purpose, right? But it really matters how we are, who we are, as we accomplish the purpose. I would say that if we reach our city for Jesus, if we see people being healed and miracles taking place, and yet we're Uh, angry at people all the time, we're bitter, we're easily offended, we're jealous and we gossip about each other, then we probably failed. Because it matters who we are. If we gain the whole world and lose our soul, we got nothing. 
Come on. So it matters who we are. It matters how we are when we're together and and what we're becoming. I always say, this is who we are and who we're going to be. It's who we're striving to be right now. This is my commitment. I'm going to be these things and I'm going to become these things, right? It's our values. Uh, I was talking about it um, with my my good friend Mike uh, in between services. I had one illustration and he shared with me uh, what God spoke to him about the illustration. So I'm going to use his illustration instead of mine because I thought it was better. You know, our values are the things that help help us along the way to keep us from getting off track. It's like when you go bowling. Anybody been bowling before? And you put the kid bumpers out. Come on, how many of y'all are thankful for bumper bowling? The little things that keep your bowling ball out of the gutter. You know, and no matter how bad you throw that bowling ball, it's going to hit some pins, baby, and stay out of the gutter. That's like values. Values are the kid bumpers that come out to keep our lives out of the gutter when we realize, like, I could get easily offended, but my values are I love people and I think the best of people, so I'm not going to be easily offended. Right? I'm going to keep my life. And so I make decisions and allow my life to be guided by my values. But when values are absent, that's when my life gets all over the place. My life is going to be guided by my values. And sometimes... We think our lives are guided by values. You know, people are like, my family is so important to me. It's a value. Family is a value in my life. And that people will say that's a value, but the reality is the things that we live out are actually our values. So people will say, like, uh, my family is my number one, but then they spend time at the job. They spend overtime at the job. They spend the Saturdays at the job, and then they're never there for their family or their kids. The value, then, is not the kids and the family. The value, then, is the job. So the values have to help dictate the decisions that we make or they're just nice little slogans that we say and we've really deceived ourselves into something different. Our values are the things that hold weight in our lives, that are the pillars, the things that keep us on track. So for us at Victory, we know why we exist. We know how we're going to accomplish our purpose, but we also have values. And when Heather and I became the leaders of this church, uh, we spent significant time really defining all of this so that it could be clearly understood and explain and so we have values here at the church we call them our leadership behavioral values or lbvs for short if you hear me ever say lbvs you know now you know uh, the insider language right lbvs there are values that shape who we are and who we're going to be as we accomplish our purpose Come on. So for us, we just decided that our number one value was going to be the love of God. The love of God motivates us to do everything that we do. Without the love of God, I wouldn't want to spend my Saturday out on a hope truck in a neighborhood where people, you know, probably don't care that I'm there. Maybe they do. They don't look like me. You know, like 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 my value because of the love of God inside of me, I'm willing to give of what I have. My value is I'm going to get up early on a Sunday morning, put on my Sunday best, iron my clothes so that I look good in church. Come on somebody you know what i'm saying our values everything that we do comes from the love of god that's inside of our hearts and here's the good news the encouragement is that if you put your faith in jesus scripture says that god has poured his love out in your heart it's not a little bit it's not a little trickle it is he says he pours it out into your life so you have the love of god 
in your life. It's good to know. So that can motivate everything that we do in this life. Here's our other values. Unity. We protect the vision of Victory Orlando Church. Family. We are better together. Generosity. We live to give. Compassion. We're a local church with a global vision. Teachability. We have a desire to learn and a willingness to grow. And my favorite, we love what we do. Fun. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all is fun to serve God? It's fun to be in the house. We get to do this. We don't have to do this. It's fun. So we're going to take the next several weeks and really talk about these values. What does it mean to live these values out? How do we actually make decisions in light of these values so that they're not just nice words on a page, but they actually become who we are, family values. And I think it's important we talk about this because um, in life, there's an unlimited number of things that we could invest our lives into. You know what I mean? It's like the ice cream store of life. You ever walked into Baskin Robbins 31 flavors and there's like ice cream flavors to choose from and 18 of them are different versions of chocolate. And you're like, I just I just want chocolate. Like, well, do you want double chocolate, triple chocolate, chocolate chunk, you know, or whatever else? And they're like, right? I had a, there was a store in Oklahoma where I grew up and they had like twice the amount of ice cream flavors that Baskin Robbins had. And it was like, what do I choose? And then there's a line of people behind you and all of a sudden there's pressure to pick and like, which one do you want? And you don't want to upset the people who are like, oh my gosh, I don't even know. Which is And it's just ice cream. But sometimes life feels that way, doesn't it? Like there's so many things we could choose to put our lives and our, our resources and our kids and invest all that into, you know, uh, and then comes the real stress comes in when you realize how short time is. You know, like, especially if you have kids. My daughter just turned 16 this past week. Pray for your boy. And, you know, life is short. Like, when did she turn 16? Those of you with kids understand that process of when did this happen. And those of you who have younger kids just cherish every moment, you know. And, um, gotta get back on track. <laughs> oh, the pressure of time. Time is short, right? Time is short, and the, re- the reality is, is you can spend your life and the time that you have any way that you want, but you can only spend it once, yes. so spend it wisely. Amen. What are we investing in our lives in? Even when we try to relax, you know, like um, you sit down and you're like, oh, I'm just going to watch something on Netflix. Boom, three million shows to choose from. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now, like, like, what do I, then there's even, there's choices even there in those moments of relaxation. You know, like, we, we have choices we can invest our lives in. So how in the world do we live on purpose? How do we live our lives so that when we get to the, the, our last moment on the earth, we can look back and say, with, through the, the help of Christ in my life, I was able to live on purpose and accomplish what God created me to. Because I've, I've met too many people and had too many conversations with people in those last moments where they say, man, I wished I would have made some different decisions. I wished I would have lived this way instead of that way. And the reality is we're going to all live one final day on this earth right before we leave. And how are we going to leave? How are we going to look back on our lives? Are we going to be those that live a life that was worthy of the sacrifice Jesus made? Are we going to live a life that was lived on purpose? Or are we going to say, man, I wished I would have done this instead. I believe that if we live according to some values that God has, has for us, then we can live a life on purpose. And so we're going to talk about these. How do we live this way? And we have to understand that in the family of God, we are not contractually obligated to live a certain way. We are in a covenant. There's a difference between a contract 
in a covenant. A contract, everybody knows the difference, right? A contract is uh, where two parties come together and mutually agree on terms, defining what I am supposed to do and what the other person is supposed to do. And if they don't keep up their end of the agreement, then the contract defines the recourse I have to get back at them, right? And then it defines how long we have to stay in this agreement. It's, 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 It's terms defining the limit of how far I have to go. I have to do this and no more, and then I'm good. I, I, I'm, I'm free. But a covenant is completely different. It's not based on um, this is how far I have to go. A covenant is like there's no end. I'm all the way in. It, it's, it just defines like, hey, I've committed to be in this no matter what. I'm not going to take recourse. It doesn't even define recourse. It just says I'm in 100% even when I don't feel like it. It's covenant, and that's the relationship we have with God. God created covenant with us when he sent Jesus. Jesus created the covenant with his blood so that when we put our faith in him, now we enter into this 100% covenant with God. And now everything he has is ours and everything we have is his it's covenant so we're not contractually obligated it's not well god if you bless me then i'll then i'll do what you want no it's like okay god you're calling me to do it let's go right it's covenant relationship so our values are going to help us to determine and stay on track to keep our lives out of the bowling ball gutters of life right so that we can get to the end and be successful in what god has called us to do amen so today i want to talk about this value family we're better together look at somebody sitting near you and say we're better together that's right we are better together this is one of our main values here at the church that we are family we're better together we're committed even to be in family uh, to be together if you've got your bibles turn with me to acts chapter 2 we'll start in verse 42 Um, it's really the beginning of the church this thing that we're a part of today began way back in the book of Acts, and we're going to read about it in those first couple chapters. You can read the whole history of how the church really began, but it says this, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they were devoted, in other words, committed to being together in the church. They were devoted to these kind of moments where they're in the house of the Lord, learning together, corporate worship. They devoted, they were committed to that moment, but that wasn't it. It wasn't just a one and done. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Come on, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So he defines the two things. They were devoted to the corporate experience, but they were also developed, devoted to the, the, the smaller, the, the fellowship part. And then he defines fellowship, eating together. How many of y'all know God is into food? Come on. He created the Garden of Eden with all of the things that they could eat, right? Come on, somebody. And all the feasts that they would have. The children of Israel, God is into food. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He says, fellowship is breaking of bread and praying together. You know, there's the corporate and then there's the the house to house, like the small groups, the small settings. That's why I'm so excited. We're starting today uh, a brand new season of connect groups and you've got flyers like this in the back. I encourage you grab one, make this season of being connected. We've seen, we've seen the results of isolation and being socially distant, and you can read all the statistics about how depression has skyrocketed, how anxiety has skyrocketed, how suicides have skyrocketed through the season of being isolated and distant. You can see the results, and it's not good. It's not God's best. We need each other. We are better together. So I encourage you, find a group, get connected in this season. I believe it will be a blessing. So here we see the, the, the first church, their commitment, their devotion 
to the house and then to the other part of the process being connected together in small groups. There's something that happens around a small group. There's something that happens around food. Conversation happens around food. Deep relationships start to happen around food. You know, I just, I just encourage you. There's something about what God wants to have, uh, deep relationships in his body. And the, the tough thing is, is that uh, we like to put different labels on why we can't connect with other people. I believe most people, especially people coming to church, they want to be connected with other believers. They want to have those deep godly friendships. Most people don't come to church and be like, I don't need other people. Like, no, we, we, we want other people. And I hear so many people say so many times, well, I couldn't connect with people in that big church or whatever. Can I tell you the size of the church has nothing to do with the, how you can connect with people. It's people. It's us. It's our decisions that we make. We can connect anywhere, right? Because people don't leave a, a job where there's 10,000 employees and say, well, I just couldn't connect with anybody, so I'm quitting. <laughs> right? Yeah. Knowing that that job hugged me enough, so I'm just, they don't love me. I'm just like... <laughs> but then we come to church. Come on, can we be real? Okay, we're better together, right? So we've got to be connected, and I just got, I got to encourage you, like, Sometimes being deeply connected and having, having deep relationships. You know, we'll, we'll look at people sometimes, um, you know, that are, that are deeply connected, that are spending life together, and it's like, wow, they, they're, they're really part of the inside, and, and I'm really not. They, they have something that I don't. Well, yeah, they do have something that you don't because you haven't paid the price that they paid to be com- connected in, con- that, in that way. See, deep relationships connection in the house it doesn't come cheap or free it's going to cost something of you it's going to require something of you it's not just people coming up to you and making sure that you're connected yes we're going to do our best to be the friendliest church in central florida like we're going to do our best to make sure that you know you have a seat at the table that you are invited to the inside circle you're not stuck on the outside like but it's going to require you taking the step to be on the inside i'm not here to force anybody to do anything it, like, but I'm going to here to invite you to be part of what God is doing. Meaningful relationships don't come free or cheap. It takes you making a decision to get involved. Uh, I'm so thankful for one of our group leaders, Melissa. She's here in this service, serves on our host team, been part of the church for a long time, and, and she's leading a great group. Come on, you need to get involved in that. Single parents, single people, get with Melissa after the service, get connected, be in her group. But here's the thing about Melissa. She's been part of the church for a long time. She's She's been around, she's been serving, but something happened in this last year where she heard people talking about lunch and she heard this invitation to be deeply committed and connected in the church. Can I come to lunch? Yes. And so you know what she did? She sacrificed the Sunday afternoon time to go to lunch when the family was there, to pay to eat out to lunch when the family was there. And I can't speak for her, but you can ask her yourself, and I'm sure she would say something about how the relationships that she's built have brought strength to her life and joy and how she's become more deeply connected and rooted in a place and relationships have been strengthened because she's been committed to family. She put herself out there. She just showed up, you know, when the family was there. That's a lot of the bad. It's like, you know, like if you want to be deeply connected, you're going to have to do some things to be connected. Be in a group. Go to lunch. Um, there's no secret 
um, invitation to show up at lunch, this is your invitation. If you want to go to lunch, like, here's what happens. After service, we get hungry. People start talking about where we're going to eat today, and then we say, let's go. So if you want to go to lunch, you are invited to lunch. Like, come with us. If you want to be in the family and you're, like, looking like, why are they always together? Then just come be around when the family's together. This is your invitation. There's no one saying you can't be involved. We're saying, come be involved, but you got to... You, you got to do some things to be there, right? Come on. Um, and I just say, I know, like, there's introverts, extroverts, and I'm not saying your personality is good or bad. Like, personality is just who you are. That's how God made you. There's not a right or wrong one, right? But we can grow. So if you're an introvert, you can grow. You don't have, if you struggle, you say, well, I'm just shy or timid. No, no, no. Bible, the Bible says God didn't give you a spirit of timidity. He gave you power, love, and a sound mind. So let's check what we're, we're identifying with and where it came from. You can be an introvert and like to be quiet and still be part of the family. And still be at things. You can be an extrovert and still be part of things and, and learn to grow. That You don't have to always be the center of attention either. Come on. We can grow in our personalities and be part of things. However you are is perfect and beautiful, but let's continue to grow into all that God has made us. So when you're developing new relationships, then a lot of things people say in other times, well, it's just awkward. It's, you know, like they, they don't, the conversations are just shallow. And yes, if you're having awkward and shallow conversations with people that you're just meeting or you don't know that well, you are normal. The conversations will be awkward and shallow because you don't know each other well that yet. And can I just tell you, have the shallow conversations and believe God for the deep. But you'll never have deep relationships if you never have the shallow ones first. You don't just get deep just because of one day you decided. No, you got to start with shallow. you got to start with some awkward like we didn't know what to talk about. And just, you know, go into conversations with new people. My prayer is today that you don't leave out of this place without talking to somebody you don't know. Someone you're like, I- I've seen you coming into church all the time, but I don't really know who you are. Like, just take a few extra minutes today and get to know somebody. Invite them to lunch. You know, like whatever it is, hey, why don't we go to group together? You know, or whatever, like get to know somebody new, have the conversation and just ask some questions like, hey, uh, who's your favorite team? Oh, you don't like sports? Okay, where do you work? What do you do? Do you have kids? Like just ask some questions. What do you like to eat? Uh, everything's going to happen around food, you guys. Like, we like to eat, you know, like praise the Lord. And then we, you know, come on, somebody. somebody Pastor, when are you going to stop talking? We're talking about lunch. Let's go. Okay, I got a, I, I got a few points. Family's a big deal in culture. Uh, this isn't this value of family. We're better together. We all have biological families. It's not to replace that. It's to expand. It's to you know your calling and and your calling in this life. What God has put inside of you, that dream, is bigger than you. If all it is is about you and what you can do on your own, then we need to get back into the presence of God and get a dream, because. A calling, a dream that God gives you is always bigger than you. It always involves other people in two ways. Number one, it's always going to involve other people to help that dream happen. And the other thing is it's always going to draw other people to Jesus. So if your dream is just you, you can handle it on your own. Come on, we need to inject some faith, some bigness. We need to expand our vision. And that's what family, this value is all about, is is expanding our family, adding on to what God has already put in our lives. Come on, so family. Look at somebody sitting around you and say, family. 
So what I want to do today um, is I want to give us a few, uh, four kind of filters, some different views. How do we know if this value of family is, is, is helping us in our life? How do we know if we're living out this value of family in, in this house? Four ways that we can know that. Here's the first one, is that family is who we are. <laughs> Here's what I mean by that. Family is who we are. <laughs> like, what? Like, listen, we are not... We don't just say we're family. It's not just that we have family. We, in this house, are family. We are family. When you read the scriptures, all throughout the Bible, familial language. When you come into Christ, he says, now you are a son. You are a daughter of God who is a father. Jesus was called the son of God. Here, even in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, he says, consequently, talking about what happens when you put your life into Christ, you become saved. He says, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but now you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Another version says you are members of God's own family. Come on, that's a good place to be excited, to be rejoiced. Like you are in God's family if you have put your faith in Jesus. That's why I believe in the church. We don't just need to be surrounded by people who are our age and who look like us. If that's, you know, a a family that's one generational is going to die off real quick. Because there's, there's no one ahead and there's no one behind. It's just one generation here and gone. I don't know about y'all, but when I leave this earth, I don't want this church to stop existing. There's going to be a point where it's time for the baton to be passed from me to the next pastor. I don't know when, but at that point, it shouldn't just die off with me. It shouldn't just die off with each of us. If we do this thing right, this church will be around for hundreds of years after we're all in heaven. That's what it's all about. So if we come into a church and we're like, well, I didn't see anybody that was my age and looked like me, and then I just leave, that's a problem. We need to evaluate what's in our heart because if the church just looks like us, that's not good. That's why I always tell people this is not a white church. <laughs> what? Come on. Because you're judging the church based now. Y'all, I am white all the way through. Okay, that's how God made me. But don't judge the church and call me a white church just because I'm white. We're not a black church either. We're not a Hispanic church. We're a church of people who love Jesus and love people. Come on. That's who we are. But at the same time, we're also a church that looks like heaven. So if the church just looks like me, that's a problem. If the church just looks like you, that's a problem. But I, one of the things I love about this church is that when you look around, it doesn't look like all, any of us. It looks like it looks like a whole bunch of us. Come on, all different nationalities, all different colors, all different backgrounds gathered together to worship Jesus. And that's a glimpse of heaven right there. That's what the church was meant to be. That's why we sing in Spanish. I'm always asking Josh, come on, Josh, can we sing in an, add another language? He's always telling me no. Come on. But we're working on it. I'm praying a little bit harder than you about that one, Josh. God, it's going to happen, baby. Come on, I love you, Josh. I'm thankful for Josh and thankful for Cassandra leading our worship team. Come on, isn't that awesome? Come on. That's why we need... Uh, multi-generations. We don't just need the young, we don't just need the old, and we don't just need the in-between. If you're in the older generation, we need you. You know, like, man, I think one of the things that grieves the heart of God and and honestly frustrates me as a pastor is when people say, well, there was no one in my age range there, so I'm going to go somewhere else. 
That's such, it, it, it's such short vision because if you're in the older generation, we need you to help raise up a younger generation. We need your wisdom. We need your, the, your experience and your leadership to be able to say, come on, I, I, I know it's tough. Let's go through this thing together. We need an older generation that's willing to walk through some mess with a younger generation and help lead. We need that middle generation of moms and dads who can raise up and be spiritual moms and dads to a generation that doesn't have moms and dads in the home and speak life and speak correction and teaching. And we need a young generation and their creativity and their passion and their strength and their ideas and their willingness to lead. We need a, a young generation like, don't despise your, young, your youth because we need them to lead not wait till they're old to lead the way in integrity and character. Like we need every generation but it should be for those of us who are out of college you know a little bit older like we need to be those who are passionate about making sure the generation those coming behind us can go far beyond whatever we can do. Too many people in our generation that are older are obsessed about getting to the pinnacle, but the obsession should be about making sure other people can get to the pinnacle, that those coming behind me can get to the top. I went to Oral Roberts University. Um, it was founded by a guy named Oral Roberts. Uh, uh, <laughs> he was a great minister. Uh, he did great things for God. Um, he, they said that um, he prayed for it personally and laid his hands on for over a million people to receive healing, saw how thousands of people come to Christ, did great things, built a university, all, those, all that stuff. But when God spoke to him, he said, Oral Roberts, I want you to build a university, build it on my authority and the Holy Spirit. And then he said, but I want you to raise up your students to take my light where it is dim. He said, and they are going to do uh, greater things than you have ever done, and in this I am well pleased. That's what God spoke to him when he started ORU. And I think, man, that should be our rallying cry. If, if our focus is not to make sure that our kids can outdo us in what God has called them to do, like then we need to check some things. Like that's We need multi-generations. We need multiple skin colors and ethnicities and cultures because why? We are better together. Come on, we are a family. Here's the second one. The second filter to know am I living out this value of family is we're a family, not a crowd. Now, there's a difference between a crowd and a family. Crowds are coming back. Come on, anybody excited? Some are not excited about crowds coming back. That's okay. We love you too. But I was watching a football game last night, and the stadium was packed. And I was like, thank you, Lord, that football is back with full stadiums. Um, you know, but it's just amazing. A crowd, though, has some unique characteristics. By and large, when you're in a crowd, like everybody shuffles in, and then they shuffle out. They're there for the event. They're pretty much there for a self-seeking purpose to enjoy the concert. Anybody like concerts? I love going to those concerts where you're like this and you're trying to jump, you know, next to the person. <laughs> Generally, the people around you, at a, 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 you know, when you're in a crowd, you don't know. You're not interested in what, they're, what they are uh, there for. You're just there for, to enjoy yourself, to get what you want. Generally, in a crowd, you, you're there on the take. You're like, I'm there to enjoy, right? It, it's, it's this crowd feel, but a family's totally different. Family is totally different. When you gather around for a family meal, it's not then like there's relationship. I know people I want to talk to people. I'm invested into this thing. This is part of who I am versus what can I get out of this. Right? We are a family, not a crowd. So when we come into church, that's why we don't shuffle in and then just shuffle out. Like that's why we gather together. That's why we get together throughout the week. That's why we fellowship and eat together because we are a family. Ephesians chapter one, verse five says this. 
God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. I love that scripture right there. So what happened was, was when God created you, he said, oh, I need a Sean in my family. And he made Sean, and then he said, I've got to do whatever it takes to make sure Sean can get and be part of my family. So he sent Jesus. Come on, y'all didn't get a hold of that today. Come on, God made Miss Rhonda, and he said, Ah, my family was incomplete without a Miss Rhonda, so i got to do whatever it takes to make sure she can be in my family. God decided in advance he needed you and his family, and that's why he sent Jesus. Come on, that's good. If that doesn't encourage you, I don't know what will. God decided he wanted you in his family, not on his team, not to be his bud, not to be his homeboy, to be in his family. Family. We are in family, not a crowd. We are better together. So even before you were a twinkle in your mama and daddy's eye, God knew he needed you and his family. Come on. That's good to know. You're, you are valuable. He wanted you to be his son or his daughter. Here's the third one. If we're going to live out this value of family is that family is messy. <laughs> some, there's some nervous laughter in the room right now because no family is perfect. No family is perfect, including the family of God. I don't know if you've ever, you know, my family's got some issues, you know, every family does, but we love them anyways, you know, and, um, you know, the, the family of God is that way sometimes. It's just, it's just true. Everybody's got that weird uncle, and you're like, my family doesn't have a weird uncle, then that's probably you, but we, <laughs> but we love you anyway. Um, things get messy. Things, you know, sometimes... We get hurt in family and, and all those things. But here's the thing. In the family of God, because of our commitment to family, we handle things differently. When things get messy, when things get hard, we just handle things differently. Paul actually wrote to us about that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. He's writing to the church, teaching them how to, uh, how to be in the family of God, how we should treat one another. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, so we know he's talking to those of us who have been saved in the church. He says, do this, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Some translations say, make allowances for each other's faults. Faults? Me? No. Yes, you, baby, you got some faults. He says, Bear with one another, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone else, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Um, anybody remember how the Lord forgave us? Beaten, whipped, nailed to a cross. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they do. His own people did that to him. Like some like life is messy, family is messy. Sometimes we get hurt, sometimes on purpose, sometimes not. But we handle things differently. We handle things with compassion and kindness, humility, what, and gentleness and patience. What if we began to treat our own family that way and our spiritual family that way? Like We just decided that even when we get hurt, whether a person did it on purpose or not, for us in this family, we're just going to believe the best in people and believe, well, they probably didn't mean to hurt me, even if they did. Like I'm going to believe the best in that person, and I'm going to treat them with these things that Paul is teaching us. It's just we handle things differently. When things get messy, man, and they will things happen and i've been hurt in church before we probably all have we've all had things happen but because of our understanding our commitment that we are better together i believe that for us as a church our strength to grow and reach our city is rooted in our commitment to family 
Come on, it's so important. It's, it's like this pot right here. I bought these potted plants that... Uh, um, at the store yesterday, and these these plants are so nice. They'll, they'll they have flowers, and they look they look all put together. And sometimes this is this is our lives. We come into church, and we look good on the outside, all put together in a nice little package. So so everyone wants to be part of what we have. People want to be our friends. We got some greenery, we got some branches, and this nice little pot that we're a part of. Like nothing's wrong. How are you today? I'm blessed. How's everything in your life? Are things good? Oh yeah, things are perfect. And inside we are dying. Inside inside we are. In our car three seconds ago, yelling at our kids, put your seatbelt on, don't hit your sister. Ah, things look good on the outside. Things are going good because we are in this pot. You know, everything's fine. I can control what's happening to me. And then when we come in and somebody's sitting in our seat in church, I'm like, don't they know that's my seat? And I'm sitting next to somebody who either isn't wearing a mask or is wearing a mask. And I believe the opposite that they do. And I'm like, how dare they? And then I'm like, thank goodness I've got these walls up. Thank goodness I've got this pot around me to keep me safe, to make sure that nothing gets in. Because if you saw what was going on inside of this pot, you might see some dirt. You would see that some of my roots are dead and don't look so good. You would see things spilling all over the place because I don't really got it all together. And you would see some parts of me that are really dry. And God, I really just need you to move. And I don't even know how I'm hanging together. But thank goodness I got this pot to keep all the ugly parts of me hidden so things look good when I come in and on the outside. But please don't put me in a storm. Please don't put me in a place where there's too much wind or too much rain because I might blow over. I might spill some dirt and make a mess and you might see that I'm not perfect. If I get out of my pot and somebody begins to see that I got some mess, I got some roots that aren't really doing good, you might see that I'm not perfect and and, and then I might see if somebody else isn't perfect and they're not in their pot. I might see maybe even the leader's not perfect and that might really mess with me because so many times people see God how they see the leader and if the leader's got an issue, like because they're a person too, right? Then that really messes with, with, with who I am. So we stay in these little pots because we can control it and everything looks good. Everything looks put together, right? And then by and large, then we enter into the comparison, right? Well, what's wrong with them? They are a mess. They, they can't even get it together and I am perfect. Well, of course you are. You're in a pot. Of course you look good. Of course there's no mess because you're in the pot. But the moment you get out, like, there's dirt flying everywhere. There's stuff on my hands. Like, But the thing about it is this plant was not meant to stay in this pot. This is a temporary thing that was only meant to help in a season. But what happens is that we stay in a season and it's been five years and we're still upset about a season that was meant to be there for a moment and then meant to change. How many of y'all seasons change? We have summer. Then we have here in Florida more summer. And then we have fall. Yeah, more summer. And then we have fall, two weeks of winter and spring, and then more summer, right? But it's still seasons changing. And it's the same in our lives. Seasons change. There are seasons of everything going right, and there's seasons of battles. Sometimes there's seasons of hurt, there's seasons of struggle, there's seasons of thriving. But if a season ever stops changing, then it just becomes the normal climate, the normal temperature. And so we have a generation of Christians who've stayed in a season of hurt, upset, or whatever, and now it's their normal life. And so everything is upset. Now they're easily offended at everything, some, whatever. 
The season was meant to change. You, your life wasn't meant to stay in a pot. This plant wasn't meant to live in this pot. It will only grow to the limits of this pot. In fact, this plant, even though it looks nice, it's not going to bear fruit. It's not going to be able to blossom and do its thing in this pot because it's got to be in the ground. It's got to be in some dirt. It's got to be in some, some healthy dirt to be able to grow. Can I just say welcome to some healthy dirt? That's why I always say, this is a safe place. It's time for us to get out of our pots. Stop coming to church in a pot. Stop trying to be in deep relationship in a pot because you can't be in deep relationship. Deep relationship requires some mess. Getting your roots down in the soil. Getting in a place where you can actually grow and actually bear fruit. Where you can actually hold some weight. Because if you get in the soil next to somebody else who's in some soil and then your roots start to go down, you start to see the mess, you start to work through some things, you cry together, your other friends brings the Kleenex to the party, you encourage each other, you're building each other up now your roots are starting to mingle together then when a storm comes it's not just you on your own now you've got some strength to stand because you're in the soil you're deeply rooted to somebody else and now you ain't going nowhere because you're rooted you're planted you got out of some things that's why when people stay in their pot and they're like they're always pointing at other people and they're saying things like, you know, uh, oh, you know, they're just messed up. And I'm like, I'm fine. I got everything's going, going on. But really, their own life, they're not sustaining any weight. They can't do anything. They look great on the outside. What did Jesus call those people, the, the religious leaders of the day that looked good on the outside? But he said, inside, you're filthy, you're nasty, you're, you're a whitewashed tomb. Why? Because then they can't sustain any life and then they're only on the take. They can never give. This plant, as long as it stays in its pot it can never give the, the fruit the flowers that it was meant to it can only take if it gets the water that it needs I need to be watered two or three times a day make sure I get sit in the sun where I need right if it's in the pot it's only what it can receive it can never give its intention it's got to get in the soil to begin to grow so that it can give what it has and fulfill its purpose so if you come into church and you're always in your pot there's never going to be deep relationship there's just always going to be surface it's always going to be a facade in your marriage you stay in your pot you wonder why how many people get 20 years down the road kids get out of the house and how, how did they spend so much of their life together and then just call it quits one day they stayed in the pot they weren't deeply rooted connected getting out going through some mess and some muck can i just say like sometimes having the hard conversation makes a terrible day but have the hard conversation, have the bad day so that you can work through some things because there is brightness on the other side. Amen. Come on, come on. This is the way Psalms says it. Psalms 92, verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. We have palm trees in Florida. Come on. We've seen them in the storm blowing around. You might lose a palm frown or two, right? But that tree comes right back up. It's hard to mess with the palm tree. He said, that's what he's referring to. He says, you will flourish like a palm tree. I want that to be me. I want to flourish. I want that to be you. That's my prayer for us. He says, they will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Here's how it's going to happen. Planted in the house of the Lord. Planted in the house, in the house, not planted just where you can listen to podcasts all the time. Not planted when you feel like it or just 
planted in different, uh, all over the city in different places. No, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of their God. Then they will bear fruit in old age and stay fresh and green. Amen. Come on. And could it be maybe some areas of our lives aren't fresh and green because we haven't been planted? We're not flourishing in ways because we haven't been committed. We haven't been planted in the house. If you were to take this out of the pot, plant it on one side of your yard one day, and then the next day uh, pull that thing up, move it to another side of the yard, plant it that day. It's not planted. It's still moving. It's not going to grow. It's probably going to die quicker. It's got to stay in a place. It's got to be planted in a place where its roots can grow deep. It's got to get out of the pot. We probably just ought to leave that in the back of the room so every week we come we're reminded, let's be planted in the house. Listen, we are better together. That's what family is. It's this commitment, right? And it's in that place when we stay potted where we become easily deceived because we're isolated. No one knows really what's happening down here. And so then it's easy for our spiritual enemy to slip in and chip away at our beliefs, our values, and isolate us and pull us away from the very thing that God has for us. Come on. we got to get out of the pot and get planted in the house. Romans 12, i got a few minutes. Romans 12, 10 says this, be devoted to one another in love. Be committed when it's convenient. Be committed when you're not tired or, or you didn't do too much on a Saturday and you just want to have a lazy day. I, I'm always surprised at the number of things that pop up on a Sunday morning. <laughs> the text, if I could show you the text that we get, you'd be like, no, he says, be committed, be devoted to each other in God's love. So it comes back to this whole thing. We're not committed to each other because it's always convenient or because it felt good. No, we're committed to each other because of the love of God that we have in us for the family. We're committed to one another. I love this next part. He says, honor one another above yourselves. Honor is the one thing that you can't do for yourself. And if you do, it's just pride. I'm so good. You see how good I am? Like, it's just, it's just pride. Honor is the one thing that you have to, somebody has to give to you, to put on you. That's why he says, honor each other above yourselves, right? Like, it's meant to be given from person to person. So we've got to stop, we've got to stop being that person who's just always saying whatever at the expense of other people. There's no honor in that. We've got to stop being the person who, um, oh, somebody's not going to like this. We've got to stop being the person who, who is talking about people, whether we voted for them or not. We can honor and not agree with every decision that's made. We honor one another above ourselves. So like when we talk to each other, like we're going to be those that speak life to each other. I'm not going to make jokes at the expense of somebody else. In this family, we don't do that. We build each other up. In this family, we don't dig up the past, right? Because the past is dead because of what Christ did. So if you wonder why things are always stinking or weird, stop digging up the past. Things that are dead stink. And if you walk around with a dead bones all the time, it's weird. We are people who speak to people's destiny, who build up other people for what they can do. We see potential in people and not just mistakes that were from yesterday. Come on, somebody. We honor people. Are y'all getting this today? That's this family right here. He says, we honor one another above ourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That sounds like a lot of things we need to do. I, I read that. I'm like, how 
can I do all these things? Anybody else ever feel like that when you read the Bible? Just me? Okay. See, when I'm in my pot, it's really hard to do all those things because all I've got is what's contained within this pot, and there's really no room for me to grow out of this place. I've got to get out of the pot to be able to do more of what God has called me to do. So if you find that, man, it's just too hard to serve the Lord now, I've got to, I got to be passionate, I've got to be honored at these things, it could be an indication, it's time to get out of the pot. It's time to let some people in. It's time to... Like, take the mask off. Come on, I'm not, I'm not, that's not a political statement about wear a mask or not, okay? It's, it's, if nobody knows the real you, then you're in trouble. And I'm not talking about, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not talking about just being a wreck all the time. I'm not talking about airing your grievances to every person that comes by or posting everything on Facebook. I'm talking about I've got a, a core group of people in my life that know the, the good and the bad and the ugly and everywhere in between. People that will pray for me. People that will cry with me. People that won't let me stay in my pity party and speak the word of God into me. People that will correct me when I need it. I've got some people in my life that know the real me. Come on. That can see beyond the mask and the pot and everything else. That know my roots and all the dirt. Come on. Do you have that? Yeah. And, it, and don't just say, well, my spouse, uh, you, need, you need people in your life. You need people in your life. We're talking about ways to know if we're living out the value of family in this family. Family is who we are. We're a family, not a crowd. Family is messy. Here's the last one today. You have something to offer. You have something to offer. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Right, you've, re- you've received gifts from God. And he says, use the gifts you've received from God to be good at something. Use the gifts you've received from God to get God to like you, to make God proud of you. Use the gifts you've received to make a name for yourself and become an influencer. No, he says, use the gifts you've received from God to serve one another. So it's not even a question, do I have gifts from God? He's already assumed that you do. You have gifts from God. So the question is, what are the gifts God has put inside of you, the spiritual gifts? And if you don't know, it's okay, but let's figure it out. If, if, so, if I were to walk up to you after service and say, what are your spiritual gifts? And you'd be like, I gotta go. <laughs> You're like, like we're, there's no condemnation or shame, but let's figure it out. Begin to pray and ask God, what are the spiritual gifts? That's why we have next steps. Right, because in that we take some time to sit down, do some do some uh, some questions to be able to discover the gifts that are already working inside you. Most of the time, there's things that you naturally do. You're like, I just do these things because it's part of who I am. And the reality is, it's not just that; it's because God has gifted you to do those things. I mean, like that's because it's a spiritual gift working in your life. And the moment that we discover that it's a gift from God, then it's like whoa, then purpose floods into those things. It's not just something I do. Like, God, why did you gifted me this way? And then I begin to use it more and more, and it becomes something that makes a difference in the lives of people. It's part of my purpose. So we've got to know who our gifts are. And it's just sometimes people believe the lie, oh, they have nothing to offer. They don't have anything, and so what do they do? Because they believe the lie, then they offer nothing. They give nothing because they think, I don't have anything. Listen, you have something to offer. You have something this world needs. You have something that people in your family and people in our city are waiting for. The gifts of God that are in you were put there so that they would come out and 
Bring somebody else to Jesus. Give glory to God. Come on. The gifts of God inside of you are waiting. You have something to offer to this family. You have a difference you can make. And not just so you can fill a slot, so you can make a difference in somebody's life. Come on, let's get to our feet all over the room today. Lord, I thank you right now that you're moving in this place. God, I thank you, Lord God, that you're stirring up faith inside of each and every one of us, Lord God. You're stirring up something new inside of us that we can believe, God, for more. That you haven't just called us to just be here in this moment and that's it and just exist but God you called us to make a difference everywhere we go you called us to be part of your family to be deeply rooted to be connected Lord God not to be perfect but God to be together to be strengthened by one another to lift one another up so God I thank you right now so much for this family God I thank you for this family I thank you for all the connections and the the roots that are here Lord God And even today, as we've been talking, Lord God, I thank you. By your grace, you're calling us places where we've had our lives in a pot. You're calling us to get out of that pot today, Lord God, to let our roots grow deep. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through his word. 